uh, uh, things that are closer to the Dhamma. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are a lot of suttas that do talk about the jhanas. They're, they're, <clears throat> they're listed in great detail, good analogies, and not only that, but also what to do with them, how to get into them, and when you're in one, this is the definition of this is what you're looking at. Okay, then in fact, that's what the jhanas actually mean. But the Western mentality about these jhanas has to do with attaining something, getting the mind into a special kind of place. And that they want to go directly there without even understanding that it's got to be done in a kind of an order. And that is, you've got to get the jhana factors all collected together in the first jhana. And then when you're in the first jhana, you basically pick and choose which object of that group that you've gotten together. And that then defines what jhana you're in. Okay. The example of that has to do with that when we're actually in the first jhana, then the object should be the applied and sustained thought, which means keep coming back and coming back and coming back to the here now, coming back to the seeing what's in the mind, coming back over and over again, uh, which is the applied. We keep applying the mind back to the Dharma, back to the wholesome, back to the the mind uh, that is free from hindrances, which is the first and most important of the factors of the first jhana. So there's six factors. Actually, in some suttas, five, and in other suttas, there's six. And the Anakanasati Sutta actually uses all six. And what is that sixth one is, is that the body is relaxed. Mm-hmm. And when we mean the body is relaxed, that means that it's free from tension, free from uh, uncomfortableness, free from fear, free from dangers, free from bad air, you know, got to get the body in a really nice, comfortable state so that it can get really relaxed. And that's part of why we do work with the body is to find where all the tensions are so that we can relax them. Okay. But then while we're doing that relaxation, we're talking about relaxation. We're not thinking thoughts about, oh, I've got to go get this done after I relax. I've got to go bye, 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 you know, because that keeps everything unrelaxed. So taking those kind of unrelaxing thoughts out of the mind is also part of the relaxing of the body that we think about relaxing thoughts. And so we apply now the mind to the body, watching the body, watching the breathing. We apply the mind to watching the kind of thoughts that we have. And pretty soon we also apply the mind to watching how we feel. With the intention of getting the the body feeling good, Mm -hmm. feeling relaxed, that fulfills one of the jhana factors. Getting the mind out of the hindrances fulfills another one, and not only that, but we keep applying the mind to this and sustaining it, so that we get both the body and the mind gladdened up, brightened up, 
kind of like a shoe shine for the mind and the body. And when we're all polished up, now we can use those two things for the feelings. Because the feelings are always the result anyway. That when we when we're un when the body's uncomfortable, we feel bad. And so when the body becomes comfortable, that gives an opportunity to start to feeling good, as well as the fact that we're talking ourselves into it. Why? Because that's the kind of wholesome talk that we're using, the Dhamma talk, rather than the unwholesome thoughts that would be the hindrances. All right, so now we're beginning to gather the factors because the next factor that's on the list of the first jhana is actually that feel good that we get from getting the body to feel good, to get the mind to feel good, and so we actually start to feel good. And this is the Pali word is sukha, which actually is just the opposite of dukkha. Mm. And it has definitions in the Pali dictionary of safe and secure. We actually feel safe and secure. Now, here's the funny part about it is a lot of people go off on retreats and in that Dhamma hall, they don't feel safe and secure. There's a lots of eyes in there. Oh, am I doing it right? Oh, I don't I want to fit in, you know, and all of that. And so they go in here yeah. troubled and filled with fear. So it's actually for uh, the beginning students just to not do it in the Dhamma Hall, but to do it off in the woods, under a tree, in an empty hut, into a pile of straw, mm -hmm. things that the Buddha would recommend rather than yes. what's available. <laughs> okay, so once we can begin to feel safe, secure, and comfortable, just like the body is safe, secure, and comfortable. Now, with those thoughts that we're having, we add the next ingredient, which is the key important point, and that is satisfaction, that what we're doing right now is okay. Everything is all right. Satisfaction. Why? Because dukkha is dissatisfaction. We've just arrived to a state of satisfaction. This is good enough. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so that's the jhana factor. The next jhana factor comes the word pity comes from the confidence that we get that we can become satisfied. Because in the beginning, we're not sure. So mm -hmm. we have to actually play with and become satisfied. We have to practice being satisfied and with students who come to their meditation and are dissatisfied, they're unsecure, then that means then that they're not practicing correctly. That to practicing correctly is actually to practice being satisfied. And with that, it grows, the sukha grows into pity, which now is the quality. Um, this is also the fourth item on the Eightfold Noble Path that I've been secretly talking about the Eightfold Noble Path all along. Okay. These, these thoughts that we have that we're changing is one's right effort. So we have to wake up to look at what we're doing. We have to remember to wake up. So there's the sati to remember to start this process. Remember to come into the here now and take a look at what's going on. And then we take the right effort 
to ease off, ease off the gas, let the body relax, let the mind start thinking comfortable, wholesome thoughts. And so when we do that over and over again, we start not only having just wholesome thoughts, but we have wholesome, comfortable feelings of being satisfied. And then we add the fourth ingredient that is under the word of um, shwada or sada, which means confidence. Confidence, yeah. Confidence. Confidence of what? Being able to remove the hindrances from the mind. And feel good. Over and over again, again we feel good. And then the kind of thoughts that'll come by of, I've got it. This is when we actually change our internal attitude from being a victim to the world because we were born victims. We were raised victims. All the people around us were victims. Even the rich people are victims. In fact, they're big time victims to the money. The (laughs) money runs their life. They don't have any freedom. They got to do what they're told to do. And the money is the one who's speaking in that regard. So everybody's a victim. And we need to come out of that into, um, let us say, victory. I can change my mind. I can feel good. Wow, this is so nice. Okay. Release, salvation. We've got it. Okay, so this is the next ingredient of the, of the first jhana. Now, this first jhana needs to be practiced over and over again because it's not a normal state for us to be in. What? Relaxed? What? Comfortable? What? Satisfied? That's pretty strange (laughs) stuff, you know? (laughs) Because we have been taught in our our, um, uh, society to be dissatisfied. You've got to help this place. I mean, this place is broken down and we need your help, Mr. Victim. We just put you to work (laughs) through guilt. Through guilt, yeah. Who put you to work? The guy who's got the money, who's not going to do the work, but he sure wants the money from your work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's all wrapped up in a system that winds up being a pack of lies that everybody believes. But when we really start looking at the truth and looking for the truth and being willing to say the truth to ourselves and to say it out loud and not lie anymore and really take a look at really what's going on, we say, hot dog, <laughs> I didn't know it was this good. <laughs> I have been told that this place is broken and it needs my help for fixing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in a way, I just repeated in a, in a strange, humorous way the teachings of Jesus in those statements that he says, like, is that the lilies of the field are already okay. They don't yeah. need to dress up in the finery. We're already there. Or the foxes of the fields and the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. He's a wanderer. He doesn't get stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these are the teachers of Jesus that are absolutely beautifully noble, and that we're actually practicing this in this first jhana. We talk ourselves into really, really nice states, and it's a skill to be developed. The second, third, and fourth jhana are not skills, they're what we do with the skills that we developed in the first jhana. 
Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So here's the example of that. Once we get that pity built up, once we feel all gushy and joyful and full of energy and vibrantly alive, we don't have to talk ourselves into it anymore. We can actually just now focus on how good we feel. <laughs> how good this is. <laughs> and that's, that's then the second John, is to focus on how good we feel. But that has a lot of exhilaration and excitement and wowness built into it. It's got okay. a thrill. Oh, is it thrill? Woo but that will settle down after a short time into, <clears throat> let us say, a really deep level of satisfaction now. The kind of satisfaction that we were practicing in the first jhana now is fulfilled in the third jhana because we're just finally, wow, this is so wow. <laughs> okay. okay. And then, then we begin to take other um items of interest so in the first jhana the item of interest is what kind of thoughts are we having what are we doing with these thoughts are we doing the right thing with these thoughts etc like that applying the effort to have very high quality thoughts and then the second jhana is the reward that we get for talking ourselves into feeling so nice and now we can actually just experience it without having to keep that crank going anymore. We could just let that crank go. We don't have mm -hmm. to crank ourselves up. We already are high enough. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> to me. <laughs> Sounds very good. Okay. So that what this actually means is is that these are ordinary states because children get themselves ecstatic. This is a natural human state. There's nothing really off-ball weird about it. That is actually something that we can experience joyfully. Because we're capable of that. That that's one of the things about the Western Buddhism is that they've got a lot of magical beliefs built in. To these states. And then they're trying, when they're practicing, they're trying to get into the magical states that they made up for themselves. And then they're purely disappointed because they can't do what they wanted to do to where the teachings of the Buddha is quite clear. All right. So, in fact, you could say that that's basically then the two kind of teachings, both at the mundane and the super mundane, and that many people are practicing uh, meditation at a mundane level. And that mundane level is uh, full of thoughts and beliefs about what religion and what my practice should be and what is it to be enlightened and am I there yet and all of that kind of stuff. And, the, and the, we can just rise above all of that and come to the fact of, let's ask a very simple question, how good can I feel? Or better for you, the question is, how good can you feel? If you could feel the way that you wanted to feel, wouldn't you want to experiment with various levels of how good you can feel? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds much better than thinking that all that's all the stuff, yeah. It's yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah. 
Yes, and so this is really the practice then, is to practice to realize that you are in fact the boss of your life and that you can feel any way that you want to feel and then decide what you're going to do about it or not. Mm. It's important, in fact, to recognize that what we're doing and how we feel are normally bound up ignorantly rather than wisely. In other words, we do a job that we know needs to get done, and that knowing it needs to get done is because of some rule that we've got set up, okay. our own ignorance, okay? And so we say, oh, this needs to be done, and now we go do it. We don't like doing it, but we do it anyway. All right? So there we are, not liking what we're doing, resenting it, Sometimes we throw it down and then we feel guilty and pick it back up. And so we throw it down and out of um, remorse and revenge and guilt. And we've got these cycles of things. This is the relationship that we have with all the stuff that we should be doing. But when we recognize that you can feel any way that we want to, now it doesn't matter what you're doing anymore. You can feel the way that you want to while you're doing it. So you don't have to change jobs. All you have to do is just recognizing that it's your choice. Are you going to do it and feel good? Or are you going to do it and feel bad? And so you this make... is the noble application. Hmm. F uh, right effort, right? Yes, it's the... You, you talk, this is, we're talking about right effort. No? You, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> it is, but you have to make it easy right now, and then yeah. right now, and then right now, because we're a propensity to start making it hard again. Mm -hmm. We've been trained that things are hard. That in fact, if everything was easy peasy and everything was okay, the news—I mean, what would newspapers and cable TV and YouTube do? Because nobody's going to watch, because nobody cares, because everything is already hunky dory. Oh no, we've got to go make a problem to get these people yeah. curious about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They even have a word for it in the old press, and that was if it bleeds, it leads. Front page news is the biggest disaster we've had today. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Well, what are we going to do when we stop having these disasters? Yeah, let's stop having disasters because we invented them, we created them in the first place. Mm. We made something up. And so now you're recognizing that we can feel the way that we want to, that we're actually practicing the Eightfold Noble Path. And by doing so, the mind becomes more organized, more collected, that we don't have arguments with ourselves. We don't apply a rule and say, I don't want to do that rule. And then apply the rule again and say, okay, I'll do it. And then apply the rule again. And now I really hate it, but I'll do it anyway. And then we apply the rule again. And then we rebel against the rule. <laughs> you know, I'm just going through this sequence of all of these arguments within the mind. And we don't wake up to it. We don't bring the referee in there and break this fight up and say, hey, let's, let's have fun together instead. <laughs> it sounds so good. I mean, it's like... <laughs> 
Makes sense. <laughs> well, that that's the natural way that we're trained. And by the way, this rule system is also called the parent or called the superego in, in Freud's language. But oh, yeah. calling it the rules, uh, that's the, the, the Buddha's language. The rites, rules, rituals, the way things are supposed to be is actually the source of most of our suffering. It's our relationship so, to our own set of rules. So this this fetter this fetter is is related to the superego, no? The, the well, it, it is. That's it. That is the superego, right? The oh, second the, fetter. Uh, yeah. yeah, the second fetter is the sec, is the uh, the superego. It's the parent ego state, most specifically the critical parent ego state. Uh, never oh, never so like that. Yeah, and it's just a whole bunch of yakety 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 yakety. You got to <laughs> do this. You got to do that. It ought to be this way. It ought to be that way. One rule after another after another. Okay, if we learn those things, mimic them, and we've got thousands of them. Thousands of them. I mean, just the grammar of the English language as opposed to the grammar of Spanish. And now you've got both of them, and sometimes the grammars actually collide. And mm -hmm. you have to remember which rule you're applying, okay? That's how sophisticated it gets and how many rules there really are inside the mind. It's amazing that we don't just, you know, ball ourselves up and clutch ourselves to death over conflicting ideas and rules we've got. But the real point here is, is that let's stop making rules mm -hmm. and start enjoying what we've already got. That is the satisfaction. The satisfaction is coming from coming out of the rules and our reaction in relationship to it. So when we become satisfied, we become unitized, you become whole. The mind is integrated. And so, in fact, the samadhi of the first jhana, which brings everything together, is also the samadhi of the mind, because you're bringing all of these components of the mind together. And so the samadhi mind and the samadhi of jhana are exactly the same thing. They're just using it from a different perspective. Okay. Okay. And this is what the Buddha calls the path to awakening. This is it, this first jhana. First jhana. Mm -hmm. The second, third, and fourth jhana are toys to be played with once you've got the skills. Okay. <laughs> so the first jhana is, uh, is, is the path. It's like, uh... That is the path. And what is that? Number one, removal of the unwholesome thoughts, the hindrances, the can't do's, the all no's, the work, the job, the frustrations, all of that has to be removed from the mind as soon as we see it. And if we keep seeing it often, we'll remove it often. And then the thought comes, oh, this is a lot of work. No, it's not. Uh, this is a lot of work. Thought is a lot of work. And we yep. can see that as an unwholesome thought, and now you go to, no, this is a piece of cake, we're having fun here, give me... <laughs> <laughs> wow. It sounds, sounds, it feels, even, even listening to you, it feels like that now. 
mm-hmm. like resonates like yeah, yeah. yeah and so and so we could just walk around our uh, spending our lives having being in a good mood nothing bothers us anymore because we stop manufacturing unwholesomeness let other people do that yep that's their job if they if that's what they want to do but we're going to start having a good easy life i like how that sounds yeah mm-hmm. that we can in fact drop uh all of the problems the solution to every problem is to stop seeing it as a problem just cut right through it have you ever heard of the gordian's knot do you know that old story it goes way back at the sumer and there was a knot that was tied in the rope and nobody could figure out i mean it was like a big prize if somebody could cut the oh, knot. oh yeah that. oh my god this is 30 years ago or something or 40 years ago i, I heard that. <laughs> yeah they yeah. teach this to kids okay and what did Gordian do? He took his knife out, his sword, and he just cut right through it. That's the solution. Is you just whack. There's no problem here, folks. <laughs> you don't have to untie it. Cut through it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how we do the mind. A lot of people are out there trying to untie the mind, and the right way to do it is just slice right through it. Just say, nope, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a wholesome thought now. I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about where that unwholesome thought came from or ways of calling it. We don't need to do psychological archaeology. We don't have to dwell on the problems, dwell on this uh, uh, to find out where they came from. We can just say, oh, that's not a problem and just drop it. Mm-hmm. That's the way that we practice is to change those unwholesome thoughts into the wholesome thoughts of success satisfaction but we got to practice yep what do we have to practice then i often say that we've talked ourselves into feeling bad for our whole lives we've been talking ourselves into feeling bad we learned how to do that from mommy and daddy and all of the people around us and we've gotten quite good at doing just what we're told to do feel bad feel sorry suck up to somebody do what we're told to do. And now we're going to start talking ourselves into feeling good. I've already done what I needed to do. The job that needed to be done has been done. What is that? To cut out the problem. Now I'm safe. There was no problem there in the first place. And we can do that with all. We'll do it later or something. Because right now it's not a problem. Doesn't exist. Never mind. Let's go back and be happy instead. And this is, needs to be practiced. So that we're when we are given a task that we'd normally not like to do, we can, in fact, get ourselves back into a good mood and then do the job in a good mood. <clears throat> OK, but starting off a job in a bad mood, hoping to get into a good mood while we're doing it as a job in a bad mood doesn't work. We got to okay. stop doing the job and get ourselves back into a good mood, and now we can go do the work. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Hmm. 
I have a question, Damarato, if I may. Um, when when uh, when we say practices, I mean, I I guess it's like coming back every time and having a wholesome thought or, or discern um, uh, just day by day our daily life, no? Mm-hmm. And uh, and during the meditation the same and um, being comfortable and being just happy in the body and the mind. Yes. There is this. Yes. Yes. Sorry. There is this. Uh, um, for example, uh, if if I the 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 people that practice in like three four hours meditation a day, do you recommend this kind of uh, practices? Like a lot of hours a day, or just relaxing Actually, around? Actually, um, there has come. Uh, a kind of a rule or maybe a tradition that started from the Goenka, because Goenka talked about that, that you need to practice an hour a day, but if you really want benefit out of it, you got to practice two hours a day, but then you ain't seen nothing until you practice three hours a day. So this was an old tradition out of the Goenka that's gotten mm-hmm. kind of stuck into the Western mentality. Yeah. Um, and I I would not recommend that people follow that strategy, especially because the way that the human mind works is is that we don't have a good attention span for an hour until we're really, really far along. That that in fact, the attention span can be improved and that's one of the things that we're going to do, but in the beginning, and they know this in school, even though they have classes at universities that last 45 minutes up to 50 minutes and then little time to move around, the kids can't keep track of that whole 50 minutes. And a good professor will break it into two groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that he can keep the student's attention good or take a break in the middle of it, okay? This is also good for us that I would say that 20 minutes should be the maximum. But there's no reason why it should take 20 minutes to get yourself into feeling good if that's what you're in doing. People who will sit down for a long meditation, they think that they're going to feel good at the end of it. So why bother to put any effort in the in the beginning? Mm-hmm. But if we have short sittings, then we can start off right away with right effort. Yeah, okay. And so then then we can get into a really good state in five or ten minutes. And that's the way that I would recommend is, is that you get yourself into a really good state, sustain it for just a little bit, another minute or so, and then go use some, go use that state. Oh, right. Okay. And that we would practice that then a minimum of three times a day. And probably, in fact, when we really get on it, we can do it for 12 times a day, every day, every at least once an hour throughout the day for five minutes. We just stop and take a deep breath and just relax and say, oh, wow, this is all so good. Good. And do that and do that every hour for five minutes. Uh, In fact, you probably get more done in 55 minutes by doing that once an hour. That we we waste a lot of time because the mind gets tired. We're just not productive up to a certain high degree all the time that we're up and down and up and down. And so taking a break 
and actually practicing going back up. Mm -hmm. You get the mind bright, secure, comfortable, yep. relaxed, mm -hmm. satisfied, champion. Okay, <laughs> ready to go. All right. And when we get ourselves <laughs> ready to go, then we can go and go do it happily. Mm. And I so love this that. Is a, this is a way to practice, not sitting there for an hour or so, hoping something good will happen. No, we're going to make something good happen right now and then enjoy the benefit of it for a while. And then in between, we will begin to remember, hey, I can take a deep breath and spend only 10 seconds and 20 seconds and get myself back into a really good state. That sounds wonderful. Right? <laughs> Needs to be practiced. Okay. Needs to be practiced. That's the secret. I mean, you've heard beautiful music and you say, hear that music and you can hear every note and it says, oh, that sounds so beautiful and it sounds so easy, but you can't play it until yeah. you practice it. True. And so that's what I recommend is to start practicing this. Start removing those hindrances out of the mind. Start gladdening the mind, getting the body relaxed. Begin to feel safe, secure, comfortable, and satisfied, and work with that. And pretty soon you begin to feel like a star, like a champion. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good, Dominato. Thank you very much. Sounds very okay. good. All right. Well, Jesus, we'll see you soon. Go practice this now. I will. I will go. I will go now. <laughs> Okay, and, and and come back in a few days, and we'll talk about it some more. Okay, Thanks I'm sure much. you'll have a question or two. <laughs> <laughs> I will, <laughs> for sure. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Uh huh. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.